0: Hi, it's Friday morning. So let's see. I wanted to do this yesterday, but too many family obligations. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody. Little by little, the money's coming in slowly but surely. I hope. <laughs> and pretty uh, soon will have what I need. About two thirds of the way or so. So I thank everybody, large and small, for all their contributions. I hope we will do more. As a matter of fact, now if I have some resources I can I have some uh, ideas of taking this to another level. But oh, I'll talk about that later. Let me get down to the parsha. Uh today is uh, what's the parsha this week? Uh Vigash. uh yeah, that's right, Bayigosh. Okay. So of the Yigosh. Here we have the famous story that we all know. Uh to my mind I mean, there are several things that suggest himself. First of all, you should just know Bayigosh is this whole story of Yosef and the brothers is extremely ambiguous and has a bunch of holes. That to me is the most interesting part. Just see, I'll give you an example. Of what I'm about. I mentioned this at a ladies' class the other day. Um, you know, what's the story? He, he seizes, as we, I have been here the story, uh, Yosef, the viceroy, seizes uh, Binyamin and then who comes to plead for him. And uh, mind you, the story is that Yosef was going to let this whole thing string out. I can only conclude, A, he wanted to have revenge on the brothers. I don't think that's the shot. Or B, he wanted them to really rub their nose in it to to know, to experience the full regret. You understand? It was the only way to uh, make up for what they did to him was for them to come to see, hit rock bottom, and see the full bad results of what they did, and then maybe acknowledge it, and then you could have a basis for a new relationship. I think that's the right way to put the spin on it. The reason, but it didn't happen that way. Because it says, As we all know. So Yehuda comes and he says this and that, you know. And so on and so forth. And by the time he finishes, he says, this will kill our father. Right? If, if, if the father says the son's not there, Or something like that. And at that point, Yosef couldn't help himself, he couldn't take it anymore, and he reveals himself. So that's a premature vart, you understand? He was planning to do longer, but something happened that caused him to uh, not play the whole story out the way he wanted to, but right then and there, say, And there are, of course, two ways of, of reading that, as there are throughout the Parsha of Yigash. It is very interesting, that's why I'm sharing this with you it's my opinion all I ever give is my opinion one way is to say that his heart was touched he said you know you want to kill Yaakov he's going to kill our father and Yosef couldn't stand that anguish that is causing he said I don't want to give my father a minute longer of Tzarus for lo Yosef Yosef couldn't handle anymore and he said forget my plan for taking full revenge on the brothers or forget my plan for educatively, uh, you know, making them hit rock bottom and see the full folly of what they had done. And rather, I'm going to say, I'm thinking about my father's health first, and therefore he said, ani Yosef, So that's like a nicey, nice way of reading it. And it totally fits. On the other hand, Rashi, I think, and the Chazal, you can also read another way, that... When Yosef, uh, I mean, when Yehuda said, this will kill the father, so, um, Yehuda started talking to the brothers and says, you know, this is not going to work. we got to kill everybody in Egypt and liberate him like Entebbe style, you know, just kill all the Egyptians and take Binyamin out of here and Shimon. In which case, Yosef went into a deep panic and he said, you know, these are Shimon and Levi guys. They, they wiped out the whole Shem. They wipe out the whole Egypt. If I don't reveal myself now, He's gonna kill me because Yosef Yehuda is uh, Yehuda's really losing it. And you know, I've, I've played this game a little too close to the edge, and I thought I was gonna like mentally torture Yehuda. It could be that he blows up and just jumps me and kills me. And then where Yosef couldn't stay anymore, he never rushed, he <laughs> uh, and then Rashi says, I think, and he said, Oh, I'm the Yosef, you know. So it could be a positive spin to the story. Okay, a negative spin to the story. And this goes all the way through the Pasha. I find it very interesting. This is reflected to my, um, in the two opposite Midrashim. One's in Medeshrav. I just remember this. One's in Medeshrav and one's in Medeshankhuma. What happens when he reveals himself to the brothers? By H.A. isn't that what it says? They're like it went to a shock, a heart attack, collective heart attack. Uh, and they couldn't believe him and so on and so forth. Hold on for a minute. Before that, he said, before he revealed himself, who he was, he said, everybody else out of the room. Which means he told his secret service guards to leave. Uh, You don't do that in the Middle East. I wouldn't do it today. I'm speaking right now when Trump took out this uh, Iranian guy, you know, this Iranian general. Now everybody's scared to death of what's going to happen. In the Middle East, you don't go without your guards. And uh, especially in ancient times, Uh, rulers didn't even allow their children to be alone with them without their security guards, without the Secret Service, because sometimes children kill the parents and all that. I don't want to go into that, but that's a famous thing from the ancient world. So how could Yosef, you know, it's the Chazal when they're reading this. Remember, the Medrash is written in the time of the Roman Empire. Medrash is written in the time of the Tanoim of the Roman Empire. Most of the people you find in the Medrash are are Tanoim, most of them. And so... uh, who ever heard of somebody like a ruler, you know, to, uh, being alone in a room without any secret service? I mean, could you imagine the President of the United States going anywhere without the secret service? They can't afford it. So uh, how could he do it? And so it's not something that, you know, a cheyed Rebbe would think of in, in Eastern Europe. You know, they didn't live that kind of lifestyle. But the Chazal did. And I remember they said, how could he uh, assure himself that the brothers wouldn't try and kill him? And the Merush said, I guess, no, Yosef Atsadik, he knew the brothers of Sadikim, they wouldn't do anything like that. v'shalom, <laughs> I think that's the word that says there. v'shalom, they wouldn't do that. Okay, that's fine with me. But the Merush Tanhumah, which is another authoritative the Abbasel, I guess, as soon as he said, Ani Yosei, Chai, he said, There's that son of a gun, let's kill him. And they rushed him to try to kill him. And I think a malach or something prevented it which means you have two radically different stories. In one case, you have a touching reconciliation between estranged siblings. In the other case, it's the same junk is still there. They hate him. They just don't know he was the other You're the guy that's been playing games with us. You're the guy that kidnapped the Shimon, and now wants to kidnap Benyamin, and you've been having fun at our expense, torturing us. Uh, you're the same jerk you were before, and now we're going to kill you once and for all make sure this time you know, we do it right. That's a very different reading. Now, you tell me, which one is right? The Medrash Rabba, the Medrash You can't do the way the Medrash. Both shittas are from the Chazal. So I'm just telling you, the story admits it to very different readings. And in ancient times, among the great sages, you had different schools of thought of how to understand this story. Well, I know I know what their Masorah was. But think about that. It's not in some Pirish in the Veltaran. It's in, it's in the Medrash, in the Chazal. So this is very interesting when you do that way. Now, if you notice, here's the holes in the stories I see them which make it interesting, because, you know, when you write a story, so everything's supposed to be, uh, I mean, I expose, I'm not a writer, but, you know, when you not that kind of writer anyway, write a story, so you should make it plausible, and, you know, therefore fill in all the, how do they say, dot the I's and cross the T's, you know, fill in all the details to make it work. The problem in the story of Yosem and the Brothers, I think everybody knows if you ever think about it, and maybe you don't think about it, is, if Yosef became, if Yosef was kidnapped the way they said it, and they told the father he's dead, but Yosef didn't know that when he became viceroy in Egypt, and maybe even before that, why didn't he get word to Yaakov? I'm still alive. If you think about it, a smart guy like Yosef could already engineer that when he was a slave of Potiphar, right? You know, he was in charge of Potiphar's household. If I were there, I could write the movie. You know, he 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 sent a postcard. You know. Um, or he'd send, better yet, a messenger, because the brothers might intercept the postcards. But if you send the messenger, it would work. You know, if I were Yosef, I'd, I'd get some Midianite uh, merchant. I said, Look, buddy, I'll make it worth your while. You go and find Yaakov Avinu, my father. He's not that far away. Egypt is close to Israel, right? They're not far away. So, how come all those years that he was in, in Potiphar's house and afterwards, and especially Calvachomer, when he came to Viceroy of Egypt, he never contacted the father? Uh, didn't he know the father was in ex- exquisite anguish? Now, uh, maybe he didn't. I don't know. All I'm saying is, this is extremely, um, what shall I say, a big hole in the story. Like We don't know what the, what the answer is. There's an answer, but we don't know what the answer is. So it leads you to extreme speculation. I mean, as Ken Zine, possibly, possibly, they used to figure the father was part of it. I can't believe that. Yes, I can't believe it. But on the other hand, how come the father doesn't look for me? And as I mentioned the other day, he names his son Menashe, Neshani Elohim Ba'er Zonyi, or something like that. Neshani Elohim is called Be'esalvi, God made me forget my father's house. So he looked at the father's house as something else. but I don't get it, you know, the brothers I could totally hear the Yosef says, I don't want to have anything to do with these brothers again. They threw me in a pit full of snakes and then they sat down to have lunch. As the Pusik says, I forget, I don't want have anything to do with them again. But the, what about Yaakov You know, what about that? And there's no good answer to that question. Now, I know there's a famous chazal somewhere. I don't know if it's a chazal either. It's, it's not. I think where they all took an oath, you know, uh, not to tell and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's a, that's a strange vort. Never you know, felt comfortable with that. Uh, Yosef's part of that. It's hard. It's hard to hear. You know. Um, now, on the other hand, how did the brothers feel all these years? because many years went by. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a truism that when you plot a crime, you never really see all the full consequences. There's no question in my mind that when they plotted to kill Joseph and, and did do so, because remember, they threw him in a pit full of snakes. They didn't know he would survive, that's a nace. When uh, they threw him in a pit full of snakes, he was supposed to die. So they must have thought, Yaakov will get over it. Family will be healthier. You know, the brother was a threat. HaMashal Timshalbanu, you know, he's, he wants to take over the whole business. He's like a poison in the family. And listen, Yaakov had 12 sons now, all 11, 11. You know, he has plenty of kids, as the expression goes. And no move on. That must be how they had a they cheshbanded out. Now, it didn't turn out that way, right? Um, as we know, when they told Yaakov, Taref, Tarf Yosef, and Yaakov believed it sort of. He refused to have the chum, meaning he could not get over it. So years and years went by and Yaakov was in an extreme depression. He could not get over it. Now, I know it's a nice pierce to say a you Mason, know, you know, since he wasn't dead, that's why he didn't get over it, whatever. But the Pash shot is he was convinced that Yosef was dead, at least at that point. That's the Pasha shot of the story. And he couldn't get over it, which is a very sad story. And they saw Yaakov, you know, in, uh, rolling in agony. And he said, Isn't that what he said? Something like that? I will, this, I'll take this to the grave. I will, I'll never get over the death of Yosef. And so just imagine Yaakov morose and depressed for the next 20 years or however long it was. That's terrible. And the brothers, as happens when you tell a lie, were stuck in the lie. They couldn't say anything to the father. And so, this is God's way of giving them a mental torture. You know, it's a, sometimes you look into Tanakh. I'm serious about this. You see, Hashem punishes the people with a mental torture. It's very, very interesting when that happens. It happened by David and for example. It happened by Shaul. You know, we gave mind games. You hear the brothers have to live with the father with the full knowledge of seeing the father in, in agony every day, and they couldn't do anything about it because they couldn't tell. Uh, which means you're trapped by your own sin. You know, it's a it's a, from the literary perspective. It's very very interesting. Uh p- perhaps from the Muslim perspective, I don't know. Uh but you know, they can't tell. And uh what what are we going to say over here? You know, the, the uh the, 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 they're they're concerned and the guilt ridden over the father business. Um that's how Yehuda appeals to Yosef in the beginning of Pashavigash. This'll kill our father. And of course Yosef then says like oh, yes I knew Yosef O You know, one way of reading this again is to say I'm um, Yosef. Oh, I feel so bad about our father. Is he still alive? Tell him, Don't. let's not wait till he dies from vetog. Go tell him I'm alive. That's a nicey, nicey way of reading the story. Other mafarshim say like this, You're worried about the father's health now For you lose him in Yemen. You killed me, or at least you tried to. Is my father still alive? And I was, Why don't you think about that when you plotted to kill me? Which is a nice shtach. Which means that the father... You know, the effect on Yaakovino has to be a gigantic uh, background factor in Parsha Vigash. And I think, at least best I can figure out sitting here, is that it expresses itself in a very, very interesting way in the fact that there's no real closure in this week's Parsha. You know, uh, Yosef knows what they did, and he said, And he said, that you know we seen now is all men of Shamayim. and uh, you know, and what is he, Altay don't 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 be scared or anything like that, and I'll take care of you. Uh, but he never sits down and says, I guess you guys realize what you did, you know. Let's put it this way, they don't apologize. They don't say, Oh, we, we, we seen now we're wrong and, and and all that. They don't do that till after the father dies in next week's Parsha. And then there's like an ambiguous reconciliation that could be read in two ways. And there's never a family, you know, but at least the brothers and Yosef know what happened. You know, so therefore he says, uh, you know, isn't that what it says? You know, you sold me here. So um, between Yosef and the brothers, they know what happens. That conversation does not take place when Yaakov shows up. He immediately says, send for my father and send them proof that I'm alive and bring everybody down here It's still a famine. And when Yaakov comes down, what does he say? First of all, Yaakov had a heart attack. And then he recovered, and, they, and then he had an adrenaline rush. First it says, Yaakov Avihem, or something like that. So he went from one extreme to another. glibo, you know, for depression, and then from shock, I should say, and then Then he had an unbelievable charge. And he says to Yosef, when he meets him, Amusa Palm, now I see you, I can die happy. You know, until now, the plan was I would die depressed. Of, of of El Shola. and now I'm gonna be happy. So the brothers obviously gonna be happy about that that the father got his mental, uh, you know, uh, equanimity back. But then, what does not happen? This is the whole in the story. What Yaakov doesn't say like this, and talk about what happened to you. You know, like how'd you end up, through in Egypt? And Yosef doesn't say you never worried about me for the last 25 years. you never went looking for me. And Yaakov doesn't say, why didn't you, you wear a bicycle You never called me until now? And anyway, who, who, who got you to Egypt? And Yosef doesn't say, well, you know, your other sons tried to kill me, threw me in a pit. As far as we see, that conversation does not take place. And you see that um, Yaakov doesn't pursue it. And so you end up with a situation in which as happens in sometimes family reconciliation, they talk about the weather, they talk about politics, they talk about Trump, they don't talk about like what actually happened. And it seems that this never was brought up. Now, I could be wrong, I'm just speculating over here, but if you go by the Parsha, it doesn't seem, I'm not even aware of a Chazal like that, where Yaakov said, news, so what happened, you know? Uh, isn't that strange? I think it's very strange. Unless Yaakov kind of like feels what's going on, And he says, I don't want to bring this up because I'll tear the family apart. You know, we already had a lot of junk going on over here. We have to move on. It's like two relatives. I've seen this, so of you. You know, two sisters, two brothers, two uncles, whatever. And they get into a fight when they're both 25, 30. And then 30 years goes by. And then for one reason or another, they kind of patch it up. They don't have a real conversation. They just, you know, we kind of laugh. Let's just start going to each other's simplest. Let's just start, you know, to... uh, have a certain relationship, and we don't have to revisit that Passover Seder when you messed me over, or that time when I was young when you did this and this to me. Even though, from a strict perspective, they should talk it out in clear the air. That's the only way to establish a healthy relationship. But when I talk like Sigmund Freud, they weren't like that, you know? They said, let's move on, mekan kind of And so they never really have that conversation. Instead, Yosef immediately, it's this interesting, Yosef immediately said I this, you guys come here, I'll put you in Goshen, I'll take some of the brothers, I'll present all of them before Paro, meaning, how do we prepare this, Klopit How do we handle the Pharaoh aspect? Which he does very well, because Yosef by now is a virtuoso, like I said before. He understands the Egyptians, he understands the Jews, he's the indispensable intermediary between the brothers on the one hand and the Jews on the other, and as we all know in the past, he presents his father to Paro, but just quick, you know, Paras says, and Yaakov gives an answer, and then by Yaakov is power, and then Yaakov is out of there, man. He never sees Pharaoh again. Yosef basically says, you know, you don't want to really meet my relatives. Five minutes is enough. i just introduce them to you, and say, give a, get a bracha, and so forth, and then move them out of here. I'm taking them to Lakewood. I'm moving to a place called Goshen, where they won't see any other Egyptians. And believe me, my family's nice, but you don't want to, meet, you don't, you don't want to mingle with them. They're very interesting in that way. Uh, Yosef himself doesn't live with them. Yosef doesn't live in Goshen. Yosef lives in Egypt, you know, in the headquarters, of the capital city, with his wife, who was an Egyptian princess, and his children. It's just a, a very, very interesting kind of story. By the way, like I mentioned last week, if his wife was the Egyptian princess, Osnaz, as is the Pashub Shab, so it's an interesting story. How did he get her to be part of his operation, that she should be Jewish and raise the children in a Jewish fashion? If his wife was the daughter of Dina. That's even a more interesting story. I'd like to write that movie because when Yosef marries her, let's put it this way, both of them have a lot of junk against the family, right? Yosef was messed over by his family and Dina's daughter is messed over by the family. And so that must just been an interesting conversation at the dinner table, you know. How do you resent your family? You know, and, you know, uh, See, so either way, it's, it's, it's a messy story. But nowhere does Yosef, in all these practical preparations, say, let's sit down and have a, 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 a dinner together and bring up what happened and, uh, you know, clear the air, you know. And you guys should say you're wrong and we're sorry and mean it. and all He doesn't do that. doesn't seem like the brothers are, are necessarily holding by that. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, that's the that's way it seems. And instead, he said, it's so Jewish, you know, I guess I'll take care of the taxes, I'll take care of the thing. Top I'll make sure everybody gets a check every month, I'll put you on the government payroll, uh, you'll live in Goshen you take care of the father does Yosef even see the father? this is speculated by the Mepharshim when uh, you know Yaakov at the time of his death next week's Parshim says send him to your sons and he doesn't know who Ephraim and Menashe are or, you know, uh, it sounds like he didn't hang around Yosef much in which case Yosef you know, basically sees to all their Gashmi stick needs but uh, he doesn't hang around them. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, that's the impression you get from the story. You Understand? Like I said, it could be wrong, and I'm not seeing everything in it, but I'm only showing you the way I understand it. You know, you don't see, you don't see that in the story. Now, it's not a very pretty picture, but that's, 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 yeah, it seems to be very real, very real. And uh, the result is that you still have that uh, pirouette. You know, uh, it's it, it, it didn't go away. And it seems that perhaps nobody wants to bring up the fight because of the feeling of the father. The father now, Yaakov, is in Egypt. He knows all of his kids are alive. Um, He obviously is aware that the relations aren't the greatest, but they're good enough, right? Now they're all talking to each other, and the Yosef, like I say, sending everybody a check every month. And, you know, so all that is okay. What more can you push for? You know, yaka wasn't like a family counselor so let's all sit down and uh, thrash this through uh because maybe it couldn't maybe it couldn't it couldn't endure that you know uh reconciliations after big fights are not pushed at all and so you end up with a very very interesting human story but as i say before with big holes or gaps in it because nobody ever brings up how come i don't till this day how come yosef never tried to reestablish contact with the family earlier when he was a uh, device in egypt do the kids ever go and, I mean, does this following conversation ever take place? Yaakov, not to Yosef, says to the other brothers, you know the misery you put me through? You understand? I mean, you worried about Kibbutz of Aim? You did anti-Kibbutz of Aim when you uh, gave me all this depression by telling me that Yosef was dead. Uh, you know you know how I took it. Uh, how come? You, and you let me go all these years in all this agony? Uh, seems to me... Like, you know, you did a big sin, but on the other hand, what does Yaka want to do, punish his own kids? So it's a very twisted, very brilliant, you know, story, from the story perspective. But it leaves a lot of, um, what's the right answer, you know, um, loose ends. And uh, perhaps that's the history of Call Your Throne. You know the story resonates as true simply because that's who we Jews are as a people. We are a people of Joseph's and Judas, you know, and Rubens. We have, we have people of brilliant Achievers and doers, like I say, Josephs and Judas. And theoretically, the Jews should be top, top everywhere. But we also have this uh, Pirud, this uh, opposite of achdas in which we kill each other. We're constantly pushing each other into snake pits. And, uh, you know, we're always fighting. And it's this group and that group and the Orthodox and the Reform and this and pro-Israel, anti-Israel, uh, you know, one thing and, and, and the other. It's, it's, the, the story of Yosef and brothers is a true story. And the sad reality, to my mind, is in the Haftorah, because, I remember this Haftorah, was it from uh, Zechariah or Yecheskel somewhere, where God says, take two sticks and one should be Yehuda and one should be Yosef, isn't that how it goes, and time together, which means, in the Messianic era, I mean, and Mashiach, there'd be an act between Yosef and Yehuda, meaning between all the tribes. So... On the one hand, that's great. You see, at the end of time, there'll be achtas. On the other hand, it's very depressing. Why? It'll take Mashiach sight like, to bring around the achtas, you know? In those days, in the future, in a world that's not here now, when 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 uh, death dies and everything's great, and the lion lies down with the lamb, then you'll find that the Jews actually have uh, unity in achtes. uh Obviously, we were created this way, because we were all ganged up together, probably take over everything. So, uh... Uh, you know the 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 period that we have, you know, it's just part of our nature, is a uh, is a piece of the Jewish puzzle. Hey, uh, yeah, I think that's a lot of food for for thought when it comes to this week's parsha. You have a, it's, a, it's a very amazing story, but the loose ends, to me, at least at this age of my life, are more are more interesting. Anyway, just a few ideas on parsha and shavus.